wonderful week in the liturgical calendar. It is called Holy Week. It commences with um, Palm Sunday and ends with Easter, Resurrection Sunday, next Sunday. We're really excited about the three services that we are having on Easter. There are some of these cards. Some of you, I know you are uh, connected, and you also uh, have this information uh, via social media, so just uh, continue to uh, invite people that they might receive uh, good news, uh, the gospel, good news, and encouragement uh, from the grace of God through his word, amen. Isn't God good? Amen. He's good. Yes, all the time. Even I knew that one. <laughs> Matthew chapter 21, uh, verses 6 through 13, I mean 14, and then 17 and 19. And reading from the English Standard Version. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the coat and put them and put on them their cloaks, and Jesus sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and other cut branches uh, from palm trees, John chapter 12, verse 13, tells us what kind of trees they were, and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before Jesus and that followed Jesus were shouting, Hosanna, Lord, save us now. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name, the reputation of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, it is written in the scriptures, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it or you make it into a den of robbers or the King James Version says a den for thieves. And the blind and the lame came to Jesus in the temple and Jesus healed them. Verse 17, and leaving, uh, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city to a town uh, called Bethany, and they lodged there. In the morning, as Jesus was returning to the city of Jerusalem, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree, can you say a fig tree? By the wayside, he went to the fig tree and found nothing on it but leaves. Uh, chapter 11 of Mark says that uh, it wasn't the season for 
the fig trees to bear fruit to be harvested. But Jesus uh, still went up to the fig tree and said, may no fruit ever come from you again. And he cursed the fig tree and it withered all at once. He cursed the fig tree and it withered all at once. Um, turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, stop figuring things out. That's the name of this word. Stop figuring things out. Uh, three things happen on Palm Sunday, which God is also now doing in Pentecostal Tabernacle. Three things happen on Palm Sunday, which God not only is doing in Pentecostal Tabernacle, but he's now doing in our lives, whether we want him to or not. Um, we are going through this book called Reset. And uh, yesterday's word, uh, uh, topic in the book Reset, is entitled obey. And then today's topic for reset is the topic love. Uh, this book we're dealing with is because we want to reset our prayer lives. And I thought about those two topics yesterday, obey and today being love. And I'm, I want to wrap those two in one scripture, which Jesus says in John 14 verse 15, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. If you love me, you'll do what I say. So uh, during this, this scene in, Psalm, in, in um, Palm Sunday, Matthew 21, uh, God is, or Jesus is, resetting his house. He is restoring his house and he is giving us God's reality of his house or his temple. I want to encourage you to think and I'm going slow then I'm moving, moving a little faster because I want to make sure everybody's on board with this train as we head out of the station. There are, there are three temples that God is always dealing with. There is, of course, the temple where we worship, or we call it the church. We call this place the sanctuary. Sanctuary, that is, uh, a place set apart for God. And then there's the temple, which we would call our house. Uh, Joshua, in the last chapter, of his, his farewell speech to the nation, he says, I don't know what all you are going to do, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Uh, and then there's a temple that's so important that Paul mentions it twice in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and it seems like he had problems with that church, so he said it again in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, don't you know that in your body, is the temple, the habitation of the Holy Spirit. So God is resetting 
this temple of Brian Green, God is also restoring this temple, bringing healing to, to Brian Green. And God is also uh, giving Brian Green what his reality is for Brian Green. So Jesus comes and he resets. And it's an interesting, he, he, he enters Jerusalem and his first act is not to get off the donkey or the coat and shake hands and high five the crowd and say, hey, no, as they're cheering. No, his first act is to walk straight into the temple and reset it. And he doesn't go in and say, gee, guys, why are you doing this? He came into the temple and he gave them folks a whooping. Okay, okay, okay. There is a spanking and then there is a whooping. Can I get a witness out here? Uh-huh. A, a, a spanking in the year... 2019, a spanking is legal. Can I get a witness? A whooping will put you in jail. Mm -hmm. Can I get a witness out there? Okay, okay. Because how many of you had, how many have parents who, when they went to beat you, they just grabbed the closest thing? Mm -hmm. It could have been a frying pan. Okay, it could, okay. Okay. It could have been an extension cord. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Uh -huh. And some of you, and some of you, the Lord, the, your parents allow you to choose the 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 tool of execution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can I any, can I get a witness out there? Yeah. The rest of you are like, what he's talking about? No, no, they, you know, yeah. <laughs> no timeouts back then. Timeout was I'm gonna knock you out. That was a timeout. No. no. They'd hit you and they hit you in 2018. You woke up in 2019 like, oh, <laughs> I can't do that anymore. <laughs> um, but he's resetting the house. He, he, he's turning the house from a house of merchandise, as one commentary says, back to the house of mission. And he says, let me remind you what the house of God is. Isaiah 56, verse 7, Jesus is quoting, My house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. A den of thieves. See, John chapter 10, verse 10 says, The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. So what Jesus is saying is that because my house is not a house of prayer, you made it a place that's comfortable for the devil. And it's nice to, you know, it's funny because it's nice when you, you, you know, because some of you got, you know, you, you're deep and you got the spiritual radar. Mm -hmm. You come in the church like, ooh, I don't feel the anointing. <laughs> you know, you got your anointing uh, uh, geigometer, right? Oh, who's their anointed? Oh, that's song. There's anointed. And, and it's nice that you can walk into this house. And discern the anointing. But can you 
discern the anointing in your house, in your apartment, in your room? Are you that detailed? Can, can you discern the anointing in your own life? Is, is the presence of God dwelling in you? Mm-hmm. Even while you're watching your favorite show, with all sorts of fornication and swearing and cussing, but you're still anointed. Oh, it's quiet in here. It's quiet. I told you, Jesus come, Jesus is coming in. No, you may not like me, so turn your name and say, neighbor. In this season, Jesus is coming in your life to drive things out without your permission. Can I get a witness out there? He's going in your life. He's not saying, pretty please, will you leave their life? Pretty please. No, he is coming to drive stuff out. And some of the stuff he's driving out, can you come, can you come here, honey, for a minute? Because, you know, some of the stuff that God, Jesus is driving out, you love so dear. And you're, and you're holding on. And Jesus got to pry your hands from it or them or him or her. It's quiet in this Pentecostal church. He is prying you. And you just need, and, and you're saying, and, and, and why God has taken things out of your life, you're singing that Michael Jackson song, never can say goodbye. No, no, no. But God say no. You got to say goodbye. See you later. So long so that he can be what he's called you to be. He's resetting your life. He's driving things out. And notice, notice what happened. After Jesus got the junk out of the temple, the blind could see and the lame can walk. It is amazing once God drives stuff out of your life, all of a sudden miracles take place. Healings take place. Restoration takes place. But you got to stop trying to figure things out. He's resetting you. He's restoring you. Well, I'll talk about me. He's resetting me. He's restoring me. He's causing me to think differently, repent, think differently, look at things differently from his point of view. So Jesus, cursing the fig tree, most, in fact, all uh, uh, commentaries and, and, and theologians link this cursing of the fig tree to the barrenness of the temple, the barrenness, the unfruitfulness of worship in Israel during this time. And I want to, I want you to just walk with me briefly so that you can see, hopefully get a picture of what was happening. So Jesus is walking back to Jerusalem. He sees this fig tree. I think I have a picture of the fig tree there. Uh, there you go. So that's what a fig tree looks like. And he sees this lone fig tree. And, uh, and as he sees the fig tree, he is coming up to the fig tree because he wants to pick some fruit. Now, pause there. Pause right there. No, in Mark, it tells you it wasn't the season for figs. It wasn't the season for figs. And so many times you look at that and say, well, Jesus, if it wasn't the season for figs to be harvested, why are you cursing? You know, why, why, are you, why are you getting all, uh, all up in your feelings about some about this when it's not the season. Well, 
to, for you to understand what, what Jesus saw, you got to understand the culture of this fig tree. So what happens is that Jesus walks up to the fig tree. Are you with me? And this is, if you can look at the next picture. And so uh, there's, if you see those figs, anybody see them? Okay. Uh, the, the, the green figs are the ones that are just sprouting. So that's why Jesus could not see, uh, had to walk up to it to see if it had fruit. Are you following me? And so the, the, the purple ones are the ones that are fully ripe. Okay. The green ones are the ones that are just growing. Are you with me so far? Now, what, what, what I discovered in my research was that you know, the, the fig trees don't produce edible figs, like, like the full-blown edible figs, until, um, until around May or June. So you're talking about this is still like April, so that it's not the season. But Jesus is going to pick the green ones. Anybody track with me so far? Now, why Jesus was upset and cursed the fig tree is because when he walked up to the fig tree, he did not find any of the green ones. Are you with me so far? Now, the way the fig tree blooms is that when it blooms, when it originally blooms, the and this is this is interesting. The the first figs that come up, they're called. Uh, let me make sure I pronounce it right. They're they're called breba, okay, uh, breba. And and what's interesting is that these are you are you with me so far? The these figs are figs from last year. So when you see a fig tree, it actually has a double harvest. There's the figs that first bloom from last year, which would be the green ones. And then there is figs from the, from the new branches from the current year that bloom. Are you following me? So what, when Jesus walked up to the fig tree... Because it had leaves, there was an expectation that there would be fruit from last year that he could eat. So when he went and saw that there was no figs from last year, he understood there would be no figs for this year. And that's why he cursed it. If you weren't producing last year, why should I expect you to produce this year unless you repent? So Jesus curses the tree. And so I'm, I'm thinking, all right, okay, God, I, I, I get it. And all of a sudden, I don't know where the Lord drops in my heart, because I'm thinking fig tree, fig tree, and he drops in my heart 
Stop figuring things out. I'm like, well, let me look up the word figure to find out what you're saying. And I discovered the word figure, it comes from a Latin word, and it, and it means appearance, image, style, fashion, form, picture in the mind. And what God was saying to me is that if I'm going to reset you, if I'm going to use you as my vehicle of restoration, then you're going to have to allow yourself to be recreated in my reality and not yours. So what does that mean? That means you need to stop figuring things out. What do you mean by that? We all, at one point, figure things out, meaning that we put out an appearance and an image that is not the real us. And unfortunately, so what happens, for example, can I borrow you again, uh, honey? Uh, and, and the Lord really was dealing with my heart because what I'm discovering as the Lord is going heart hunting it's not the what, it's the why. Okay? So I, and the Lord really started speaking to me about this uh, because uh, when, when and, I'll, and I'll be honest about me and then I want to share an example. Because uh, when, when the Lord told me that Carmen was going to be my wife, my first response was not, praise God, she is a godly woman. My first response was, she's fine, and she's going to make me look good. <laughs> and then as the years went on, of course, she got finer. And, and be honest. And, and, and so I would, I would show people the picture of my wife. And wait for a reaction to say, oh my God, she's beautiful. Okay. My image. Appearance. It's not Proverbs 18.22, she's the favor of the Lord. No, she's beautiful. To be quite frank with you, can I be honest with you? She's eye candy. Uh, look, I'm talking, about for, I'm talking about for me, for me. She, she's an accessory. Come on, let's, let's be real. She, 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 I mean, yeah, I love her. And, 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 and she's, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm being very serious. I'm being very serious. Because some of us have picked a spouse based on an accessory. How are they going to make me look? I remember one person said to me, had a godly woman. The first thing that came out of her mouth is, his mouth is, we look good together. See, and, and, and the thing is, you can sit down for a moment. And the thing is, is that he was just foolish enough to say it out loud. Oh, I don't like him. Because if the Lord really, 
if that was really the Lord, he would be six foot three, 190 pounds cut. You know, come on. She would look like this. Oh, it's quiet in here. It is quiet in here. It is quiet in here. Because the Bible says, if I delight the Lord, myself in the Lord, he will give me the desires of my heart. And right now, I don't have any desire. My wife has to be a certain color, a certain race, a certain, I'll never marry, I would never marry a man from fill in the blank. So you thought I was going to say something, but I didn't get myself in trouble. No. I remember when I got um, ordained, you ordained, I think it was ordained, and, and Carmen was looking, my God, she was looking, I mean, she was smoking. And, and I remember introducing her to my boss's wife. I'll never forget. I can't use the language she said, but, <laughs> but, but she looked at my wife, and then the next, no, in fact, she said it there. She said, she looked at my wife, she looked at me, and she said, Brian, how in the blank did you get her? <laughs> and, my, and my attitude was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, brothers. You know, you back back then you used to have the, the, the lean, the dip walk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm talking about in our day. And when you had a fine woman on your wife, on your, on your arm, you're like, yeah. How you like me now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't you wish you were me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hey. You know, and my point is, is that thank you. Mm -hmm. See you tonight. Uh, anyway. <laughs> But my point is, is that I am saying things like, I love my wife. She's a gift for, I'm saying the right things. This is deep. But you don't know what's going on in my heart when I'm saying these things. And God, God was convicting me. And you would think being 60 years old and being saved 50 years, being a pastor next year will be 25 years. You would think that I would have known this for years. And the Lord spoke to me while I was studying this sermon and said, that's you. When you show people your pictures, your wife's pictures, you're looking for a reaction. I was in the barber shop. This eight, the 17-year-old kid. Um, I'm in the barber shop. And no, and, and I'm saying and this kid and, and, and was there, and they're cutting hair. You know how Bob talks, they're having to talk, and 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 so I say, yeah, I'm 60 years old. And they're like, wow, Rev, you look good. And so the guy and the, this kid, he's looking at me, and he's like, you're 60 years old. And I say, yeah, I can show you my driver's license, and, and watch this. And the next thing that came out of my mouth is, you should see my wife. So you know what I did? I took out my cell phone. Oh, yes, I did. And I showed this 17, 18-year-old my wife, and the first thing he did was just curse. He went, mm. I said, she's fine, ain't she? But again, but again, but again, 
figuring things out, putting out my image, putting out how I want people to look at me. And we do it different ways. You know, what school you go to, what part of the country you're from, whose family you go to, uh, belong to, what kind of car you drive, what kind of sneakers you wear, all image, image, appearance, fashion, even, even your purpose for exercising and, 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 and eating proper. Is it, is it really to be healthy or is it for a body form? Because you didn't get the and woo when you were younger and you're like, I'm going to show them now. And why people on the outside say, bravo, God is looking at your heart. And he's saying, that's not my reality. And you are making a God in the image that you see. I don't care about all that. I care about this. So God's reality is for me to stop using things and leaves to substantiate my value. My true value can only come from Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 through 10, and I, it says in the English standard version, for, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. I love this, and I put, I, I combine the English standard version with the Passion Translation, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ. You didn't simply accept Christ. You are now in Christ, Jesus, for good works. Passion translation continues. Even before we were born, tell somebody, before you were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill our destiny. I was created to pastor Pentecostal Tabernacle. I was created to work at Cambridge Hospital. I was, I was created for Common Green. And the thing that really blessed me, God so loved me that he created Common Green for me. What do you mean by that? It wasn't until years later that I found out that my wife was a oops. Bless the Lord. That, that's so exciting. They had four boys and four girls and everything's going well. And the Lord said, no, you need to do, you need to take a trip to Barbados. And I threw, I, I send away two and three need to come back. And one of them's going to be your wife. And I'm, I'm telling you folks, God will do things for you. He's created you for the very place you're at, the school you're at, the place that you have. And I, I want to close with this. And because Something happened at last year, uh, consecration. If you remember, we did the 91 hours straight. And on Good Friday, when I talk about appearance and style and putting out an image, I was blessed. The Lord reminded me of a powerful testimony that was given. And I want to share what was said. Because if we need to stop 
allowing the world and even ourselves to define who we are and get our definition from God. We got to stop being, watch this, and I think I heard this a number of times, and I heard this from China Cleveland also said this. We got to stop being human doings and become human beings. We get our image from what we do and not who we are. I love Vanessa and Jessica. If they, if, if they were just born and did nothing else, I love them because they're my daughters, not because of the schools they went to, not because of what they do, which is wonderful and fantastic, but my love for them cannot be based on what they do. It must be based on who they are. And they must understand, and that becomes liberating to them when they understand their father, Brian Green, loves them because of who they are and they don't have to perform. I wonder sometimes if God allows our children to get bad grades just to see how we respond. I'm not saying you should click your heels and say, oh, F, ha, ha. I'm, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, do they know that you love them whether they succeed or they fail? That's a hard thing. So uh, I wrote this out, and uh, she gave me permission to say this. But if you can show the picture next. After an amazing Good Friday service last year with Alethea Church and Hilltop Church, uh, Kristen Pope gave co-leadership to the final watch of our 91-hour straight watch during Holy Week of last year. Because I was sitting only a few feet away from her, I kind of was stunned when I looked at her. Uh, it was the first time that I not only had seen uh, Kristen in a very casual uh, tracksuit. Uh, those of you who know Kristen, uh, I need I say any more. But I kept looking at her, and then I said to myself, oh, my goodness. It was the first time, first time I ever saw her without makeup. Uh, now, you need to understand that Kristen is a TV reporter, so she is always in makeup. She stood in front of the congregation at PT South silent for a moment, and then she explained to us how God told her to stand before him with nothing between her and her father. And that included her makeup. So she said, I stand before you vulnerable. And then she wept. And then she simply kneeled and the next thing I knew, the Holy Spirit swept through and people were weeping. And people were wailing because we realized that we allowed things 
we were figuring out an image. And God was like, I just, I want you, as the woman conference said last year, naked and unashamed. I text Kristen, Kristen to ask her if I could use her story from last year. But then God uh, said to me, look at what I've done in her life and in her husband's life since that moment of just becoming bare before the Lord. So when I text Kristen what the Lord has shared to, uh, with me, she sim- also to give her, to get her permission to share her story, she texted me back and she simply said these words, mind-blowing. God has completely humbled me. And I and yet he elevated me in magnificent ways. I'm so grateful. I owe to him all. My heart is so humbled. I was in such a dark and low place at that time last year. Truth is, after that service, things didn't immediately get better. There was about six months of anxiety, of depression, and of crying out. But finally, the ground broke. The sky opened, and I saw sunlight again. October 5th, to be exact. I'll never forget that date. I have, these were her words, encountered God in a whole new way. I'm the most humble and grateful. This this struck me. These were her. I am the most humble and grateful I've ever been. In other words, she looked at herself and said, Who is this person? That's what God's reality will do. He'll let you look at his image for you and you'll say, oh my goodness. If this was your plan, I wish I had done this sooner. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Is there anybody here sensing the Lord is resetting you? Is anybody here that's sensing that God is going, raise your hand, that God is going deep, that God is going deep, that, that, that he's not letting you get away with things that you used to get away with? I'll just use her for example, though I won't share what she shared, but last Sunday when I was talking about repent, and I remember a sister, um, Linda, burst out in tears, and, and she, she shared with me, what the Lord was dealing with about something in her heart that she had every right to have in her heart. But it's something about when the Lord comes to you and says, I don't like that anymore. See, it's one thing when someone tells you, you're like, I don't have to listen to you. But when the Lord comes and he goes deep and says, this is not my image of you. Stop performing. Stop thinking that you have to get good grades. You got to look a certain way. You got to have a, 
a, a certain kind of dress. You've got to have a certain kind of business car. You Stop that. That's what they want. All I want is a heart that says it's all about you. And as long as you're serving the, the appearance, the job, the house, the prestige, all these image and styles, and, and those are idols. And it's liberating to know that I can just serve God. And it's all right. And that my, my self-worth is not dependent on if I keep this job, if I have kids, if, I, if, if, if I'm the pastor of a big church. Oh, it's liberating. It's liberating. It's liberating. You would have no idea how depressed I would get early in my pastorate. When attendance was up and offerings were up, I was like, hallelujah. When it was down, I was like, what did I do wrong? Am I just going like this? I mean, that's just the way life is in New England. Are you with me? You know, you get bad weather and it go and attendance goes down. These, these are all trends, but but I, but I'm questioning, am I called? Am I anointed? What did I do wrong? I was like, stop that. Because just because the pews are filled and the offerings is 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 great doesn't mean that I'm pleased with you. Help us, Holy Spirit. Inshallah. As every head is bowed. If they, uh, if the person allows you permission, whether you want to put your hand on their shoulder or hold their hand or whatever, whatever that you both are comfortable with, uh, the Bible says, and I, I'm not going to ask you to do this, but remember, He made His house a house of restoration. And Jesus says, and we can't get around this. He says. Confess your faults. <clears throat> James says it. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you might be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous man will accomplish much. So I'm not saying you have to confess, <clears throat> but I am saying that our healing comes from praying for each other. And I like that because God is basically saying the power of, <laughs> I guess you say the power of small groups which is a small group of two. In other words, God is saying, I'm not going to let you do this on your own. Because if I let you do this on your own, you get, you get full of pride. The only, <laughs> the only one who can do things on their own is me. We need my brothers and my sisters. And so I want you to pray for each other right now, just for a moment, that, that, that the book that we're going through is not simply a it's not simply just a nice exercise to say, ooh, I read that book, but we would allow the Holy Spirit to truly reset our hearts, truly reset the image of ourselves to God's image and not us. Stop trying to get, you know, for want of a better word, lose weight for the wrong reason. I'm losing weight because I want to be healthy and used by you, God, not because I want to look good and people will say woo you changed no 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 I'm going to school not because I want to get rich and wealthy but it's my kingdom assignment 
I'm taking this job not based on the salary, but based on what you call me to do. So if this salary is less, as long as that way you want me, I'll do it. Come on, let's just pray. Just, just two minutes, 120 seconds. Open your mouths and pray. You don't have to be loud, but you have to speak. Pray for the person that God let this be. This is the last week of the consecration. Please. The last week of Lent. The last week of Holy Week. Please reset our hearts, Lord. I want to be fruitful, Lord. I don't want, I don't want to be having all these leaves and looking fruitful, looking flourishing at a distance, but when you come closer to my life, there's no fruit. There's no character. There's no love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, generosity, humility, self-control. There's no fruit. There's all image and no character. Because, Lord, there's this new commandment that says, I need to love my brother as you have loved me. Spirit of God, help our self-esteem to no longer be tied to who we hang out with, what school we go to, what we wear, where we eat, where we dine, all these things that we figure out, the images that we put out, the style that we put out. Even how proud we are of our children. Are we proud of our children because we were blessed by God with them? Or have we turned our children into human doings? As long as you get good grades, as long as you do this, as long as you go to the right school, you'll get my affirmation. That is a lie from the devil. And Lord, there's some of us in here who need to bless ourselves. We have been we have been beating ourselves up because of the performance track that we put ourselves on. The devil is a liar. The Bible says, while we were enemies, you loved us. Thank you that your love for us is not based on performance. We set our hearts this week to say it is good enough that Jesus loves me. He died on the cross not because I was a good person. He died on the cross because he loved me. It wasn't based on what I wear, what I don't wear, who I hang out with. He just loved me. I couldn't do anything more for him to love me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit, because your Holy Spirit is the only one who can really get at the intents of my heart. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, through the word of God, which can, which can divide soul and spirit, which can divide joint and marrow, which is able to discern 
the thoughts and the intents of my heart. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, reset my heart to the truth of Jesus and God's word. Help me no longer to believe the lies of the enemy of who I should be. Help me to see myself in the image of God's truth and help me this week to continue that journey. In Jesus' name. 